Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on Inside the Ropes, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kenny and I'm joined as always by Mr. F. Martin Finn. How are you? Um, it's still sunny in Glasgow as we record this. I'm, I'm choosing to mention it because sooner or later we're going to have the rain and the winter. We are, Kenny, but you know, we, we've been through it before. You know, we, we've got through this difficult thing that's called autumn before <laughs> and winter and spring, and then it'll be summer again before we know it. But no, I'm doing well here, Kenny. Someone pointed out on Twitter, it's 25 years to this day since one night only took place at the Birmingham NEC. Yeah, I actually... Um... I saw that had been posted today and I went and kind of Googled it and I to- it totally slipped my mind that um, pre-SummerSlam 97, the advertising poster advertised, obviously Sean and Bulldog, but it advertised Brett and Austin in a match before Austin's injury at SummerSlam. And that had completely left my brain that that had even been an advertised match for that show. Yeah, the you know on this day in WWE, we know them. We like these people, we and do. they like us as well. It appears to be a mutual appreciation society. <laughs> yeah, twenty five years to this day, to the day I remember driving down with Rob Butcher and a huge rock 
hit the windscreen of his. I think he was. I think he has a. He had a Fiesta at a time, a Ford Fiesta. Mm-hmm. A huge rock hit the windscreen right in front of me and put a massive crack in the window as we were driving down. And Rob was so cool about it. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And I thought the whole we, we were like, I don't know how far into the journey, but we still, this was on the way down, not the way back. So we had to drive to Birmingham and then on the way we had to drive back from Birmingham with this massive great crack in the windscreen. But we got there and back. <laughs> we were fine. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, what a what a night. What a, what a show. And yeah, just... You know, my lasting memory of it, I think, was the real heat that Sean and Triple H and China managed to provoke from the audience with their dastardly tactics mm-hmm. in their uh, defeat of Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, for the European title. And people were really, really mad, Kenny. Not like funny, ha, 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 we're entertained heat. This was we are incensed heat. We are furious heat. Do you remember those good old days, Kenny, when people used to get proper mad? <laughs> I know, I, I do. I mean, it's funny because obviously there's the whole idea that uh, Davy Boy brought his dying sister, Tracy, yeah, yeah. down to the ring. And uh, and then Sean pulled the old political power play um, with the idea, I remember reading in Power Slam, you know, the idea is that there'll be a return match at Mayhem in Manchester where Davy will be able to win back his European title, which, I mean, oh, can you imagine if Shawn Michaels had been asked to drop it back to him the following April? I, I don't know if that would have... I don't know if that, we would have seen that follow through had Shawn not got injured. So, Yeah, um, well, I mean, we'll never know because obviously Davy left and Shawn was injured and many things changed between September and April. Well, also, uh, Shawn, Shawn dropped the... Dropped the European belt to Triple H in December, so it was pretty. Well, much he did, a... but I mean, David Boy Smith had left by that point, hadn't he? Yeah. So there was no reason for him to retain the belt. That was the the famous fake match, wasn't it? On Raw, the famous fake match. Yeah, that doesn't nearly get as much play. Well, I guess it doesn't get as much play. The finger poke down because it was the finger poke down was ten ten times more. Uh, what's what's the word? I guess you would use like, like, like consequential. Or yeah, yeah, like. like Sean and Triple H deciding who should have the mid card belt doesn't seem as didn't seem as big as uh you know the Georgia Dome the finger pop. yeah and it was it, it was a very different thing I mean they were out there just clowning around and the commentators saying this is absurd these two are not really having a match and then Sean laid down for Hunter so Hunter became champ but by then of course Davy Boy had left he quit after the double cross. So there was really no reason for Shawn Michaels to be champion any longer. So yeah, we'll never know what would have happened, but um, yeah, Don't one speculate. Night, yeah, well, obviously people can speculate. We've done enough speculating about that, but yeah, <laughs> what we do know is the Birmingham NEC, twenty-five years ago today, um, it was quite a spectacle, you know, and hell of a show as well. But I mean, yeah, the lasting memory for me was just that fans were so angry. And, you know, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that that doesn't exist anymore in pro wrestling. Um, You know, on one hand, it would be nice if there was real heat where people were proper mad, like really, really furious. But on the other hand, that, you know, that brings problems. You know, when you have that sort of reaction, Mm -hmm. that can create sort of mini riot type situations. 
and fans throwing things at the wrestlers. I mean, remember there was that famous, was it the, there was the thing they set up prior to WrestleMania 14? And I think someone threw a battery at Sean. Do you remember that? And he stormed off. Yeah. Well, there, and then the, there's there's the even bigger one. Was it the was it the almost riot in like December 1997 yeah. when Sean refused to go out in a house show and um they just like went crazy and started like yeah there was a there was a big fight or something at the end because I'm sure Sean was yes. supposed to wrestle and he oh no. It's like Undertaker wrestled Rock in a casket. Rocky might be in a casket match during the last 10 minutes. DX made their way down to the main event and Sean was hit with paper. So he went in the live mic and told the crowd they just lost the main event and the show was over. And he walked out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, get, I think most wrestling promoters would probably, would they take the difficulty of a potential Shawn Michaels today to get that kind of heat? Maybe they would, I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, I think, you know, there's this romantic notion, isn't it? Oh, it was, you know, if only it was like it was back in the 70s where we used to, you know, fight our ways out of the arenas and all (laughs) this. It's like, well, would anyone really want to change places with that where you've got to carry a gun for protection on the way from the arena to your car? And lots (laughs) of, you know what I mean? Lots of like old time, oh, it was much better in my day. These kids now, and it's just like, well, you know, Honestly, I think it's in. I think it actually is better now because it's safer, and it's when you go to a show. I mean, even when Drew lost at Clash of the Castle, I mean, had we talked about this, I think at the time, I don't know whether we talked about it on the podcast, but we certainly talked about it in Cardiff, you and I. Mm-hmm. But they they couldn't have pulled that stunt with Davy Boy Smith at SummerSlam '92. Yeah. Otherwise, there would have been, you know, there would have been dire consequences. They would have just basically killed the market. There could have been, I'm not saying there would have been a riot, but there would have been an air of real gloom afterwards had Smith not won the IC belt from Bret Hart at Wembley Stadium. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, you you jump to September 2022 and the fact that Drew didn't win, I think people were disheartened. But it didn't ruin the the evening for them. They they weren't going to stop watching the company because... WWE gave them that result and didn't give them the result they wanted. So it's a very different response. And in some ways, I think it is better now than it was back then. Um, but all, you know, a lot of old timers will would say, no, you're mistaken. It was much better in my day. And I, I think, you know, actually the fact that it's more of a sort of friendly atmosphere where people are going along and enjoying the show rather than, you know, allowing it to put them in a foul mood for like days or weeks afterwards. I think that, it, I think it's a better, I think it's a better, the whole way it's presented now is better in terms of actually running a business and retaining fans as well, not uh, deterring people from continuing to support the product because the company presented a result that they didn't particularly like. Yeah. And, and you know, speaking of things that people don't particularly like, um, it brings us to uh, something from SmackDown and a press conference on Saturday because Logan Paul is back to challenge Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. It brought back the return of Paul Heyman on SmackDown. Um, so we had Paul Heyman in the bloodline basically trying to deter Logan Paul from this press conference that he wanted to invite Roman Reigns to. Uh, the crowd in Anaheim were not positively responsive to Logan Paul. They did. They were not on his side here. They were uh, definitely on the side of the bloodline. 
Um, and, you know, we had a good comedy from Sammy Zayn saying that, you know, if Heyman just let Sammy handle it, we'd we'd be fine. And then Heyman just kind of, you know, is just incensed. So fine, handle it. Go and handle it. And then he gets punched in the face by Logan Paul. Um, and then Logan Paul runs off. But that brought us to the big press conference on Saturday. But, I mean, what did you think of um, that opening segment on SmackDown, Finn, with Logan Paul, the return of Paul Heyman, and the bloodline? They kind of set up for the press conference on Saturday. Um, I mean, I wasn't... I mean, when Logan Paul came out, I mean, he's supposed to be a babyface. This is Anaheim, California. And Paul was loudly booed. And he'd mentioned that he'd had a controversial week because Roman Reigns had appeared on his impulsive podcast. And after Reigns had left, Logan Paul had essentially challenged him to a match and said that if Logan Paul and Roman Reigns were to meet in the ring, then it would be Paul's match. So that was the setup for him appearing on SmackDown this past Friday um, to basically, yeah, just make the challenge and Roman Reigns wasn't there but as you said Paul Heyman was this was his return first uh, public appearance in SummerSlam he was with Solo Sokoa Jimmy and Jay and Sami Zayn um, and Logan Paul has said he set the press conference up for the next day you know would Reigns show up you know, Heyman tried to talk Logan Paul out of it then Sami Zayn took over from uh, Paul Heyman and uh, when Logan Paul threatened to KO Paul Heyman, said, listen, I bet I can KO before the bloodline can enter the ring. And Paul Heyman retreated, Sami Zayn took over, and then Logan Paul drilled Zayn, and then he fled before Sakawa and the Usos could enter the ring to grab him. And that, as you said, then led to the, the press conference. He said later on, in, later on on SmackDown that Roman Reigns would be at the press conference the following day and that they would stream it, which they did. Did you watch any of the press conference, Kenny? I watched clips of it. And I actually thought the press conference was very good. Um, and I thought that the Logan Paul and Roman were, were great. And so was Paul Heyman. I think the, the issue just harkens to what you just mentioned, is that the fans are not behind Logan Paul. And we're kind of in this weird spot where I think in a year's time when Logan Paul understands that to be a babyface, he's going to have to have a good heel run first. That that is going to be the way forward for him. Yeah. Um, once he realizes that, I think we'll be in a good position. But until then, I mean, they might. They, I think they might be okay in Saudi Arabia because you know Logan Paul's a celebrity, and the Saudi fans are not going to try and hijack the show. So they should be okay on the night. But I think the build up is going to be rough because Roman's at that point where he's so good that the fans are going to start cheating him. And yeah, I think Logan Paul, you know, I thought Roman had a great line about, you know, I like you, Logan. I think it's good to have you on the show. You can be on the third match of any card I'm ever on. But, yeah. uh, but to be in the main event, he said, you know, it's just it's just not going to happen. But uh, yeah, I, I thought they did a good job. What did you make of their performances at the press conference? Did they manage to sell sell you all on the, the match uh, in Saudi? Yeah they, yeah, they have done. I mean, they pointed out that this was only Logan Paul's third match, wasn't it? This is his, this will be his third match mm-hmm. on November fifth at Crown Jewel. I mean, I don't. I think it's actually a pretty good match for Crown Jewel, and I think we all know who's going to win. Obviously, Roman's going to win. We know that, and I don't think it's a bad follow up match for Roman Reigns post Clash at the Castle. 
Um, we don't really know who he's going to wrestle next in the States. I mean, is he going to participate in Survivor Series? Probably not, since we now know it's going to be war games. So that's going to dominate the show, isn't it? We'll do two mm-hmm. war games matches. Yeah. So I would expect that Reigns is not going to be there. Um, so I think it's actually a good sort of filler match for Roman Reigns, just to give him something to do. Before, you know, the January, you know, we get into Royal Rumble WrestleMania season. Uh, But you are right about Logan Paul. I mean, I'm not sure why he's insisted that he had to turn babyface. I don't understand this decision. Um, I imagine that they, WWE, had to go along with this in order to sign him to the contract and to have access to him. And he obviously has a huge social media presence, a huge reach beyond um, you know, the parts that WWE normally reaches. So I understand why they've entered into the agreement with him. I think he's really good in the ring, but he's just not likable. He's just not a likable guy. He's too successful. He's a good-looking guy. He can do everything. People do not like him. And I understand why they don't like him. And I don't understand why he doesn't understand that he needs to be a heel. I don't get that at all. Well, the funny thing is because during the press conference, he was making points where I was kind of like, this guy's talking me around. Like he was saying, you know, people are booing me, but this has always been my sport. I was, you know, in high school football in Ohio and I was doing this and this. What were you doing, Roman? Playing football? Like he had good lines and he was saying good stuff. Yeah. But So in that sense, it seems like he does get it to an extent, unless that's just stuff that's being fed to him. You know, say this, say this, say this. But you're right, until he, in wrestling to be fully successful, you have to get it. And you have to understand it and you have to realise why certain things happen and why fans feel a certain way. And if he still doesn't think, doesn't realise he should be a heel, then he's not he's not going to be anywhere near as successful as he could be. Because, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not making this comparison because I think he's going to be this person. But look at The Rock. You know, The Rock was Rocky Maivia. It didn't work. Um, he was new to it. He eventually he turned heel, and the heel turn you know totally made him. But I hope that with Logan Paul, it's quicker with him sort of with him with them all of them realizing. I think you're right. I think WWE probably would happily turn him heel, you know, after this match. But will will Logan Paul? Uh, will he succumb to it? Will he, will yeah. he agree to it? I mean, you've got to know your role in pro wrestling, haven't you? pardon the the rock pun it's like if you watch the broken school sessions with steve austin charlotte flair she's realized that she's a natural heel and will probably be a heel until she retires then she'll probably do a baby face turn just before she quits and that's who she is that's the character she plays that's the character she's comfortable portraying and people don't want to like people don't like charlotte flair they don't want to like charlotte flair because of the image she portrays, or at least the public image that she portrays. And, um, I mean, Logan Paul's the same. He's To me, he's just a natural heel. And I know he's trying to come across as likeable, and I'm sure there are people who do like him out there. Obviously, there are. He's you know, very successful. But to a wrestling audience, he's an outsider, and that, that naturally is a natural inclination from wrestling fans to be distrustful of outsiders coming into their world, you know, especially if fans feel like they've jumped the queue, you know, if they've done a Phil and Holly jump in the <laughs> queue, Kenny, but he's, he's right. You know, you look at 
you look at Logan Paul and he has jumped the queue. He went straight into WrestleMania, had this huge match, huge match at SummerSlam, you know, defeated The Miz. I have no objection to him beating The Miz, by the way. I think that was the right outcome. And I thought his performance was superb on the night. But it's like that is, you know, the the perception that here is a, a guy who's a multimillionaire who's just waltzed into WWE. Okay, he can do it really well, but he's kind of taken a spot that maybe somebody else should have. And I think if you're in that position, you've got to play to your audience and you've got to recognize what the audience wants from you. Most, you know, above all, most importantly, what does the audience want from you? And I think the audience wants Logan Paul to be a villain. That's what I think. Yeah. Um, and hopefully after this Roman Reigns match, he'll he'll grasp that one. He'll understand, you know, what what he needs to do to be a success in this environment. And, and that is to do, you know, to do the heel turn. Yeah, hopefully he does. I mean, he's definitely got the charisma and the performance ability. But like you say, he is someone who made his money from YouTube. And he kind of just is, you know, he's a rich white cocky guy you know he's literally got every form of privilege that you could imagine at this point so for fans to relate to him you got to give them something sure give them you know so we'll we'll see but i I think the match as an isolation i think if this was on a SummerSlam or a survivor series i would not be for it but on the saudi shows which always have an asterisk beside them you know even through the title changes that we've seen on those shows, there's, you know, nobody looks back on the Saudi shows with rose-tinted glasses. You know, there's no. always this kind of, even if, even if one of the shows are good, we kind of go, oh, it's good, but, you know, we're not rushing to rewatch it. So I think this is the perfect kind of show to just do something like this. So Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think the Saudis will be happy with this because of Logan Paul's status outside of wrestling. I think they will think, wow, you know, this is a really big match that they've given us and we're really pleased with this. And especially now since Roman Reigns only wrestles, you know, intermittently on premium live events. So I think they'll be thrilled with this match. So I think this is a win for them. And I think it's a win for WWE in that market because it's obviously very lucrative for them. And I think it's just a nice little filler match to give Roman Reigns another win. And I'm just hoping, as we've just discussed that after this, that Logan Paul will recognize what he needs to do um, if he wants to have longevity as a star in this company. You know, I mean, Logan Paul to me is like he's like the the star quarterback, isn't he? In the teen movie, you know, gets mm. all the girls and does everything, and you know, comes from the rich family and has the best car and never has to try. And everyone thinks, you know, everyone thinks he's wonderful. You know, or, or, even though they secretly resent him, and <laughs> he's just that guy who just can do everything better than everyone else. And, you know, like the wrestling fans are like, kind of like the kids who are from the wrong side of the tracks who like, oh, look at him. You know, he's, yeah. you know, he's got all this, you know, you know, that type of reaction. <laughs> um, listen, let's just uh, buzz through some stuff that happened on SmackDown. We did have a sit-down interview with Ronda Rousey that was interrupted by Liv Morgan. And um, I, I do sort of think it was clever the way that Liv Morgan kind of, you know, said to Ronda Rousey, you know, I'm the only person in the world who's beat you twice and you still don't take me seriously. You still don't respect me. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a good line about, you know, Mor- uh, Liv Morgan said, you said you said with all due respect, but you don't respect me. And Rousey said, I said with all due respect and you're due none. Um, 
And I mean, so I liked all that, but to say that in the end, Morgan challenges Ronda Rousey to an extreme rules match at the pay per view. I mean, it feels like this is Ronda's time to get her belt back because I feel like there's more interesting scenarios with Ronda as champ as there is than there is with Liv. What did you think of this segment, and what do you think about their extreme rules match next in two weeks? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the right decision booking them in a match in which they can use the objects and weapons because you know we we imagine that Liv might have a chance of beating Ronda. Also, it means that possibly Charlotte Flair could return. I think the only way that Liv will retain the belt is if there is like a run-in from someone and that person beats Ronda down to lead to Ronda's next feud. In some ways, you think, well, why would it be Charlotte Flair? Because they've already done that feud. But if you recall, Kenny, didn't Ronda break Charlotte's arm before she departed? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a score to settle there. So maybe Charlotte will return in this match and lay a beating on Ronda. You know, maybe, you know, Shayna will come to Ronda's aid and maybe that'll lead to a tag team match with Liv and Charlotte versus Ronda and Shayna. That's going to be a tricky one, of course, because as I said earlier, Charlotte is a natural heel uh, and will always be a heel. She recognizes that. So that's going to be a tricky one with her teaming with Liv. I mean, if there's no running, I think, yeah, Ronda will win the match. But the secret to this match, and this is going to sound bad, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I think Liv needs to take a real beating in this match and show a lot of heart, a lot of courage, never say die. And she's aware, WWE's aware, that people don't really respect Liv as champion. They don't take her seriously. Now, if she takes a hell of a beating in that match and gets like really marked up, I mean, it could just be superficial stuff with a Kendall stick or whatever, not like a proper actual beating, but a simulated violence beating. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Then I think we can, you know, people are like, wow, look at Liv. Oh, she took a hell of a beating in that match, but, you know, she wouldn't quit. You know, she would not quit. You know, and then maybe they could do like a submission finish, but Liv passes out with pain, doesn't tap. Because obviously, Big stars don't tap out. We know that. Certainly big babyface stars don't. They certainly don't tap out. They they pass out due to the pain. That's how they lose. So, I mean, I think if Liv takes like a real beating in the match and then they use some sort of finish where she doesn't tap, but she passes out after, you know, all this. Or maybe even Shayna could be involved. Shayna could come out and attack Liv and Ronda could get really angry with Shayna. What are you doing? I don't need your help to beat Liv. That could be a... a an additional layer to this story. That could be quite interesting as well. Yeah. So, But I mean, so long as Liv is seen to show a lot of heart, a lot of courage, come across as this real valiant baby face, the objective of this match to me is getting Liv over as a credible performer. I think this reign is kind of, I don't think she's going to make it in this reign. I don't think it's going to be fondly remembered. And in some ways it will probably be beneficial to live for her to lose the belt at Extreme Rules. Then she can try and, you know, build up her credibility and maybe have another reign next year when she's fully prepared for it and maybe has some good challenges to face at that point. But I mean, yeah, I think I think a lot of thought's going to go into this match, hopefully as, you know, and it, and, it, and the whole purpose of it will be to get the belt back on Ronda. I agree with you. I think, he, I think it's, it's a more interesting title 
Um, and Ronda will be more interesting as a wrestler as well if she's the champ. Um, but it's all about getting live over as as somebody that we can believe in. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and I think the the thing that will be pretty important to the to Liv's performance if she's going to have like a star making performance is that she finally shows that she can pace herself in a match. Yeah, that she can react in a way because I feel like you know she used to take a beating. Would she sell it the right way, or would she you know be overacting to the point where it does, it kind of looks a bit fake? So yeah. I think she's got her. If she can put in a performance where it's a believable beating. And she gets some respect from the fans. That that could be a game changer for her. So hopefully that happens for her. But um, yeah, and and it, and then afterwards, you know, Ronda leaves and Shayna leaves and lives lives there in the ring, and she's like selling, and she stands up, pulls herself up by the ropes, and like you know, does the whole thing where you know tries to milk the crowd reaction. Mm-hmm. That could be, and you know, she like you know sheds some tears, and probably won't be too difficult you know, <laughs> after all that. You know what I mean? Because it yeah, actually yeah. will be because. Obviously, these people do take this very seriously when they win these belts. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's prearranged, but it's an endorsement from the company that you are worthy of this championship. Yep. And you're a star and you're a somebody. So, you know, in a sense, the championship does mean a lot, even though it's, you know, you're not winning it in a real sporting contest. So I think her losing the belt, I think probably would be quite an emotional moment for her. And I think if the audience really reacted to her and like, you know, gave her a like standing ovation, that could be a big moment for her. And I think losing the belt could actually be the best thing that could happen to her career at this point if it's done the right way. And then the only other two things I wanted to just kind of briefly give a shout out to on SmackDown was the visual of Braun Strowman mowing through maximum male models was very funny. Um, but the other thing is that Ridge Holland and Butch became the number one contenders for the tag title by stealing the pin that Imperium should have gotten on Kofi Kingston and the four-way uh, number one contenders match in the main event. Holland and Butch go on. Um, it was you know a pretty pretty good endorsement of the tag team division that they got the main event spot on SmackDown. I thought, and you know, it's this the beginning of kind of making it feel like the tag team division means something. Um, so I thought this was good. What did you make of them being put in the main event spot and Ridge and Butch getting the title shot on this Friday's SmackDown? Yeah, it was unexpected. I thought Imperium had it in the bag. Um, I thought they were for sure going to be um, challenging uh, Jimmy and Jay, but it, instead it's Ridge and Butch. Really enjoyed the match. I thought it was, you know, Ridge's best match to date, which, you know, really saying a whole lot. But it was a really exciting match. I thought everyone shone. Um, I thought uh, Top Dollar and Ashanti, the Adonis had a really good night. Um, I mean, you did. I mean, they're really stale, but I mean, they're still, I mean, to me, they're really stale, but the audience still really likes them. And I was like, oh, please, not Kofi and Woods again. But I mean, when they were, when it looked like they might win, there was so much support for them. And like, you know, you just can't fault how over those guys still are doing this act. I mean, I've just had enough of the New Day, but the fans still like them. So, you know, they deserve their spot on the roster. You know, the fact that they're still over. Uh, but yeah, really, I really enjoyed the match, and I thought it was it was interesting that that Butch and Holland they kind of stole the pin, didn't they, from Imperium at the end? Um, I thought it was uh, yeah unexpected and a real you know big opportunity for Holland and Butch. I can't imagine that they're gonna dethrone they're gonna dethrone Jimmy and <laughs> no, Jay, no way. especially since it's just a TV match. And we should mention as well 
that the street profits were sacrificed to Holland and Butch on Raw last night to prime and prepare Butch and Holland for this big match on SmackDown this Friday. You yeah. know, should also mention as well, SmackDown did like over 2.2 million viewers for what was not really a star-packed show. So yeah. uh, that was a good number for uh, for SmackDown on Friday. Yeah, it was. But there was, I mean, there was loads of stuff on Raw last night. Uh, so we, we should get through as much of that as we can. And um, we opened the show with the big uh, US title match with Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. Now, I was sure, now maybe I'm making this up. Was this match not supposed to be a steel cage match? Yeah, I thought it was. Unless they maybe like said something somewhere that it wasn't, but I like it was only halfway through the match. I was going, isn't this supposed to be in a cage? Um, I don't know. We had Miz and Lashley in a cage, didn't we, a few weeks ago? Yeah, but didn't didn't Lashley say to Rollins last week, um, you know, we'll have the match, we'll have it in a cage? I'm sure he said that. Oh, maybe they were talking about, you know, Lashley having been a cage fighter. Yeah, maybe it was like a, maybe maybe the wording was a bit too ambiguous. Um, The match was was superb, though, with Lashley and Rollins. We saw a spot, very rarely in wrestling, do you see a first-time-ever spot? We saw it in this one when Rollins goes to the stomp, but Lashley like tenses up and doesn't, and sort of like keeps his foot on his on the back of his head. I've never seen that before. I thought it was just a great spot, and um, you know, with Riddle coming out to do the kind of distraction at the end that allows Lashley to beat Rollins, it'd be very easy for someone like Lashley to just feel like a third wheel here. But I felt he, I think he's really stepped up in the last year or so to be a, a, a top player on Raw. And I thought he did a really good job here as well. So I wanted to give give Bobby Lashley a shout out. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just hope, I mean, Bobby just, he doesn't really seem to have a big program at the moment. He's a man without a feud. Yeah. So, I mean, give this man a, a, an opponent, you know, give him something to do. He just felt like he's just filling in and he's just there furthering other people's storylines that seems to have been his role over the last well ever since SummerSlam really yeah so uh yeah I really enjoyed the match I mean Rollins you know always has a really good match and you know last year as you said he's you know he's he's just stepped up so much over the last year and um yeah really good and um and to do that at 45 years old is is really impressive to, to yeah sort of... yeah well yeah well he's still in great shape and um I mean, he never believe he was that old. He still looks really good. And, um, you know, age really shouldn't be, you know, barrier now when you think about it. I mean, I think, I think Lesnar's 45 now as well. I believe he was born in 77. I think that's right. So do you want to yeah. just look? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah 45. Um, so, I mean, I know Lesnar doesn't have as much mileage on his body because he only wrestles on a part-time basis. But, I mean... You know, if you can still go, age just shouldn't be a barrier anymore. You shouldn't be saying, oh, we can't push that guy because he's 40 or 41 or 45 or whatever. If you can still go in the ring, then push that person. And we should mention, yeah, so Lesnar is 45, but Lashley actually in July turned 46. Oh, 46, okay. There you go. So he he was born in 76 and Lesnar 77. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a really good spot there as well where Lashley went for a spear and Rollins intercepted it with a pedigree. I thought that was a really good near fall as well. And then Matt Riddle came out to distract Rollins and that, and Lashley at that point hit the spear on Rollins for the pin. And of course, later on, we had uh, Riddle interfe- uh, Rollins interfered in Riddle's match, his tag team match. And that led to a big shouting match, pull apart backstage. 
and Riddle and Rollins agreeing to compete to re- actually to fight in the fight pit at Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's I mean, and I think that's it was a good way to have obviously you know Riddle costing Rollins and Rollins returns a favor and we've got the fight pit at Extreme Rules. It's a good. It was you know logical storytelling that kind of played yeah. out on Raw, which is good. Um, we also had Bailey uh, officially make the challenge for Extreme Rules to Bianca Belair, um, which is good. At least we're going to get that match. Um, I feel like it's maybe going to take the first match for the feud to really get going because um, we kind of have, you know, Asuka and Alexa Bliss who are on Bianca's side. But, um, yeah, the, the Asuka and Alexa Bliss sort of pairing with Bianca doesn't feel like it's as natural as I hoped it would. It kind of feels a bit played out. Yeah, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, it's um, especially with talk of like you know the, the war games thing, it's gonna be a women's war games in November. Yeah, you would assume damage control would be the heel faction in that. I just think you know it doesn't feel it doesn't really feel very blockbuster with uh, Alexa and Asuka in the corner. Um, and Asuka, I mean, Asuka's great, they, they just need to you know do a better job of kind of, you know, show some video packages of what Asuka used to do to people. You know, and ha- you know, because as much as she has fun with her wacky character, she also used to be a, a kind of a killer. So yeah. be good to show that. And you know, Bailey had the match for Alexa Bliss. They went 15 minutes. I don't really ever need to see an Alexa Bliss match go 15 minutes again in my life. <laughs> she just can't I, I don't think she physically is able to have a good 15 minute match. No, she's somebody who I think does operate better in in tag settings because she's mm-hmm. got quite a limited repertoire and some people are just better in short matches and you know that's just the way it is yeah. and if Alexa was going to be able to do a 15 minute match she would have worked out to worked out how to do it by now because she'd been doing this for a long time yeah um i mean you know this this is all about getting bailey over there's loads of interference before bailey scored the pin on bliss and then afterwards, she issued the challenge to Bianca, which, of course, we knew was coming after Bailey had pinned Bianca in the six-woman match at Clash at the Castle. This, you know, this has all been very predictable. It all makes sense. But you are right. It's like, can they... I don't think this is still going to have that much heat left in it by the time we reach Survivor Series. No. I mean, I would think that Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair will be involved in that. I would have thought in the war games because well, yeah, cause what I would like to see is I would like to see almost damage control. Uh, so I mean, even if even if Bailey defeats Bianca for the title, she, at some she point, has to. I'm sure she's going to because then all three members of damage control have the belts. Because I think this is this is going to lead to. I think toxic attraction will be brought up eventually. You know, full time, mm-hmm. and then they'll do that sort of feud for all the belts, like what Toxic Attraction having all one point. They were all champions, so I mean, you can see it's got to be Bailey. Bailey's got to win the belt, surely. Extreme Rules. Yeah, but and but then if you've got if you've got you know damage control with all the belts, and then Bianca Belair's kind of you know if Asuka and Alexa Bliss haven't been able to help her and she's kind of on her own, and then you've got Becky Lynch who can be a player, um, you know at at least. At least that'll make the the war games match feel bigger that we've got somebody like that back. If if yeah. if, if Becky's able to make it back in time, I don't know if she will be. Um, yeah, well, you would think so. I mean, it's still like two months off, isn't it? Survivor yeah. Series. So, um, but yeah, so it, that's obviously you know kind of plodding along as well. 
Um, elsewhere on Raw, we had uh, Dominic Mysterio getting, I mean, a heel reaction that you don't get very often. You know, you talked to the again, Finn, about uh, real heat, and I'm not saying this was anywhere near the heat that Shawn Michaels got in the 90s, but, I mean, Dominic Mysterio even seemed surprised at how much the fans were booing him. And to his credit, he didn't just rush through. He let it play out a little bit, which I was impressed to see that he kind of had the fortitude to let that happen because there's no way they would have known that the reaction was going to be that uh, vociferous against them. Well, I mean, I think you know they've been they put a lot of in, they've invested a lot into this, haven't they? They put a lot of work. I mean, Ray had said that he was reluctant to do the split with his son. I mean, I'm sure maybe that was just him just playing into the storyline, you know, to really make the storyline feel more real. Um, but they put a lot into this and Ray's, you know, really still pleading with his son. Oh, it doesn't have to be like this. You know, we can still reconcile, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of emotional investment has gone into this feud. So I think Dom should be provoking this sort of reaction by this point. I mean, Judgment Day are one of the top heel factions on the Raw brand, uh, actually they will be the top heel faction on the raw brand. Um, so, I mean, I think really if if Dominic Mysterio was not provoking this reaction, you'd be chalking it up as a failure at this point. And I thought he did well. I thought, you know, he really you could tell that he was really pleased with the response to him. And he was smiling broadly, wasn't he, when that reaction came? And he must have thought, yes, this is working. <laughs> this is working because there's got to be some trepid, got to be some moments of trepidation there. Where he must have thought, oh, no, you know, this is a big risk doing this. You know, the father-son thing, you know, it might not work. And uh, I think he feels like maybe it is working. I don't really like the relationship between him and Rhea. There's something really kind of cringy about that, Kenny, cringeworthy about it. Well, it's kind of, you, you, they're kind of, they're half pregnant at the moment. Yeah. They're either together yeah. or they're not. And there's a weird kind of, you know... Awkwardness there, isn't there? Yeah, there's an awkwardness of kind of, are they, you know, she was calling him mate at one point. You got this, Dom, mate. But then, like, you know, she's calling him pappy and there's social media photos that make it look like, in character, that they're more than friends. So I kind of want to see Dom go full, either, you know, him and Rhea are are an item or... uh, it's more of an, an equal partnership. But I guess we were building up to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that there is some development going on here. I'm not quite sure where it's going to go, but it's yeah, it's definitely a, a bit odd at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really liked as well, though, the interaction between Finn Balor and AJ Styles backstage. And we haven't seen Styles for a while. He hasn't really done anything. He's almost been in a Bobby Lashley role where he's, you know, just been filling time in matches and not, Hasn't really had a storyline to sink his teeth into. Mm-hmm. So he was invited by Balor. He said, Styles said, I'm not joining, I don't want to join the judgment day. But Balor said, the invitation, the offer's there. Should you change your mind? So the idea of AJ Styles joining the judgment day, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But I mean, um, do you think, because obviously there's the whole Triple H said in an interview recently that he has not done bringing people back. And one of the kind of ideas floated around is, you know, could this be Gallows and Anderson coming back? And that's a feud against the Judgment Day. Could that be the direction they go? 
Well, I mean, possibly. I mean, I mean, it feels like Gallows and Anderson have been catching up on my impact lately, and they feel really played out in impact. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, most most people do. <laughs> I mean, impact <laughs> wrestling really could do with an injection of star power around about now. Um, but I mean, it's so far down, you know, it's almost, you know, if you're there, you're almost like, you know, whatever happened to so-and-so? Oh, he works for Impact. Oh, really? Because like so few people have got time to to watch it each week. But yeah, Gallows and Anderson, I think they that would be a huge boost to their careers if they were to return to WWE, obviously. Um, I don't really feel like there's much more for them to do in Impact. Uh, so that would be good for them. But same time, AJ Styles joining Judgment Day. I mean, that's that's different for him. I mean, I think at this point in his career, actually, Styles needs to be a face because he's almost in an edge role where he's the veteran. And mm-hmm. I don't think people really want to boo him. So I can't no. see him joining the Judgment Day. He may hint he, that, that he might, but I think it would be like, you know, a ruse to lull them into a false sense of security so he could beat them down. But Styles, to me, is he's now a face because he's reached that point in his career where people just aren't really going to want to boo him. I wouldn't have thought. Did you see that uh, it's the AJ Styles has now, and I think it's only in the last, it's only this year it happened. He's now had more matches for WWE than he ever had for TNA. He's wow. surpassed, surpassed the, the number. I think it was like 476 to 471 or something. It was very close, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see AJ doing something meaningful again. I don't think he's really done anything that's properly hit in a while. No. You know, I, don't, I don't think the Edge feud, it didn't light our worlds on fire, Finn. No, it know. didn't. But it um, didn't. yeah, hopefully we can find something for him to do that kind of gets him back to, to feeling like a like a big star again. Because, you know, he when, when, he, when he's in a feud that means something that he's invested in, he's great. But otherwise, he just seems like somebody who's walking around backstage not really knowing what's going on. Um, elsewhere on Raw, we did have um, Kevin Owens against Austin Theory. And uh, we had um, Kevin Owens getting the win. And Gargano, uh, was, of course, was out there. He did the, the distraction, grabbed Theory's briefcase, ended up uh, dropping the briefcase on Theory afterwards. And then later on, Alpha Academy tried to sort of square up to Johnny Gargano. And Kevin Owens came in to say that, you know, Gargano had Owens back and now Owens has got his. So next week we're getting Owens and Gargano against Alpha Academy. So, you know, just some some, some good mid-card stuff. I don't know what the direction is going to be for Gargano and Owens, but uh, this is something to keep them going. And more of Alpha Academy is always good. Yeah, oh, definitely. Wasn't it, wasn't it striking how much taller Owens was than everyone else? <laughs> Like, wow, look how tall he is. Who <laughs> so, knew Owens was going to be the giant for once? Um, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I thought Austin Theory and Kevin Owens had a really good match, really stirring stuff. Um, Gargano uh, stole Theory's uh, Money in the Bank briefcase, as you said, and Theory was distracted. And then Owens struck. He hit the cannonball into the corner and then the pop-up powerbomb for the one, two, three. And Gargano mocked Theory after the match. So you would think it's going to be Theory versus uh, Gargano at Extreme Rules, I would have thought. That seems to be where they're heading. And I would think, you know, I don't think you need to be any kind of soothsayer to work this one out, Kenny. (laughs) In the Alpha Academy versus Owens and Gargano match on Raw next week, I would think we're going to get an appearance from Austin Theory. I would think so. 
I think I think I don't even, I don't even need to call in Mystic Meg for this one. No, I don't think we're on to something. Intercept those booking plans. <laughs> Sweet raw. You know, so, uh, um, but I mean, I mean, maybe they do a maybe they'll do like a, a six man or something at Extreme Rules. Yeah, maybe There's, they've got options. I mean, the, the six man feels like the kind of way to go. So we'll see who they get. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're plodding along. There's decent storyline stuff going on. Uh, we can chat more on Thursday on PowerSlam about war games, but um, yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff coming up. It'll be interesting to see what uh, AEW do with Grand Slam this week because they've, they've got those shows coming up. WWE are building to Extreme Rules, so it's nice to have stuff to talk about, Finn, but not have as much drama as we maybe had a couple of weeks ago. Well, but we like the drama. But we love the drama, really. I mean, we love the drama, and you we know, love for the drama. Look at AEW's number last week for Dynamite, best number of the year, I believe. Yeah, yeah, best number. So, uh, you know, this is their job to capitalize on that. Um, I'm sure this week's number will be high as well for the Grand Slam special. It's obviously the final of the tournament. Yeah. And it'll be, you know, we talked last week is MGF going to cash in right after the match? Or is he going to come out and just set things up for the next event, the next pay-per-view. So, um... Yeah, lots of questions and hopefully, and, you know, obviously, I mean, it feels like the, it's the acclaims night tomorrow night um, against Swerve and Our Glory. So, I'm happy for the acclaimed. I feel like uh, they're an act that a year ago, I don't think I would have sort of predicted that they would have got as, as big as they are now and as over as they are. So, when when you get that with a, uh, an act, you have to go with it. Because if you don't, you never know when you're going to get the chance to again. So... Hopefully yeah, yeah, you, you've got to strike while while the iron's hot, as they say. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, they they came out of the last event, you know, with a lot of uh, came out of uh, what was oh, it all out the last event. They came out of that people were really saying lots of great things about the acclaimed, and they had a hell of a night and performance of their careers. So um, when you've got that level of interest in you, I mean, it's kind of like the Street Profits, isn't it? It felt like Street Profits were going to win the belts at SummerSlam and they didn't. And they, you know, now in a supporting role, obviously, because they put Butch and Ridge Holland over Mm -hmm. um, on Raw to prepare, you know, the Brawling Brutes for their title match this Friday. But yeah, you look at the Street Profits and it just feels like a missed opportunity that they didn't become champs at SummerSlam. Yeah. You know, and whereas with the Acclaimed... I can't imagine that they won't pull the trigger on 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 their on their big win. No, there's you know Tony Khan's had a lot of stuff thrown at him recently. You know, some which we've we've discussed. You know, he could have dealt with sooner, but I mean, I think that he he's he's going to be well aware that that New York crowd that's what they want to see tomorrow night. They want to see that win. They want to see their claim to get the titles. So, and then you know it's it's ironic watching twenty years ago Billy and Chuck gay baiting. And 20 years later, you know, Billy Gunn is part of a, an act with a, an openly gay wrestler and and they're doing scissor me daddy ass and all this kind of stuff. It's it's quite interesting to see those two parallels um, 20 years apart. But anyway, um, yeah. we will be back on Thursday uh, to talk about war games and uh, whatever, whatever. There'll be more going on by then because things change every day in pro wrestling. So we will yeah, be here. Well, We'll no doubt talk about Dynamite as well. It's obviously a huge episode of Dynamite tomorrow, so we'll no doubt be talking about the big matches yeah. from that program as well. Yeah, we'll be talking about that, talking about who the new champ is, what the direction is going to be, 
Um, lot lot eyes on the product tomorrow, so um, you know we'll see what they've got for us. So we'll be talking about all that on Thursday. We hope you'll join us. And Finn, I hope that you um, can go forty hour, forty hours without me. Kenny, of course I can. I mean, I know it's it's you know it's a struggle, but you know I, I'll cope. Don't you worry about me, Kenny. You'll cope. Good. That's one one less thing for me to worry about. Um, so thank you all for all your support, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.